Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to our first preseason breakdown episode. And today we are starting off with the American Conference. So without further ado, and I got Hendrix with me today. He's going to help me break down the AAC. Let's jump right into it. Let's jump right into it. First team on the list. Last year, they went 12 and 2, the Memphis Tigers. Last year, last year during bowl season, they lost the Cotton Bowl to Penn State. They hung with Penn State, I mean, as best as they could. But Penn State was just too much. Penn State sort of looks like a Big 12 offense putting up 53 points. But, you know, they were, they were playing one of the better teams in the Big 10 last year. It happens. But key games for them this year is they get UCF at home. They get Navy at home. And they play at Cincinnati. But also, too, they've lost their head coach, uh, Mike Norvell, who's at Florida State now. So uh, how much will the change of staff affect them? Well, them losing Mike Norvell was uh, pretty huge. I felt like he had a pretty good grip on the Memphis team, um, which, uh, which obviously I don't want to you know, say anything too ill, but it looks like he had a way better grip on the Memphis team than – right now what it seems like he has a Florida State. Um I feel like yeah there is gonna be they're not gonna be as good um this year. I feel like that uh the Memphis team that we got was one of those teams that uh not say necessarily they were a fluke team, um, but they they were they were really good and the the staff is really gonna affect them. Like I don't I barely see them going five hundred this year, even with all that's going on. I feel wow. like uh go back to the Memphis that we're used to. Okay. Um, well, I will say this before I jump into the next question. Uh, I think I think they promoted someone in house, so I mean, I think that I, I think they'll be okay. They won't. Yeah, they won't be a twelve win team, of course. But I think it's it's gonna be yeah. Because when they went, they said they went twelve and two last year, correct? I believe yeah. they went twelve and two. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I yeah, and then last year too, Memphis had the number three total offense in the conference and then they had the number four total defense in the conference they were a really good team they were a really good team yes yeah, so that's, I mean, why, that's why i feel like yeah i don't see them i don't see them repeating i feel like it was that was a good run i mean not say that they won't go 500 but i see them doing 500 or close to there maybe like seven right eight wins but definitely not <laughs> what they did last year nowhere close um, I think they'll be like one of the top four teams in that conference, maybe top four, top five. But that that actually just answered the next question too. Will we see a slip in the production? So I think we kind of both agreed that yes, we'll see a slip yeah. because I think the expectation with Norvell gone won't be as high. It'll still be it'll be high. Coaches will say it's high, of course, to kind of sell the product. But let's be honest, it probably won't be. And uh, I believe they play UCF as well. Yeah, they play UCF at home. Yeah, they play it at they play UCF home or they play Memphis. They play. In They're gonna Memphis. be okay. Yep. And now to the second team on the list, the Cincinnati Bearcats. Last year they went eleven to three. They won the Birmingham Bowl last year. A couple of key games coming up for Cincinnati this season. They get Memphis at home. They get Houston at home, and then they travel to Orlando to play UCF. And 
I got to say, I, I like the little thing that they got going on with UCF here. So, um, Cincinnati versus UCF. Yeah. Yeah, it's starting to brew into a nice little rivalry. Yeah. Uh, so, the first question I have here is, is uh, can they get over the hump and take control of the conference in 2020, given given what's going on? Uh, I'm... It's hard to say. It all their their production really depends on UCF. Um, UCF has pretty much been the bully of the conference. Um, you know the team to beat. Right. Uh, so I would you would have to measure honestly like how they play against UCF because UCF is more has more of a symbolic value about when you beat them. It's like, okay, I beat them, so clearly I'm the ones that y'all have to watch for. Whereas if UCF beat you. You right. know, like the other teams will just see you as another beatable team. So it all depends on how they play against UCF. But I definitely think the potential's there. Um, I believe Cincinnati uh has what it takes to overtake uh UCF, even if it's not this year, definitely in time. Right. Um they just keep coming back, you know, harder and harder. It's like you bloody their nose and they come back even stronger. So uh it all depends on how they uh play UCF. Right. And here here's the thing about it. The interesting thing when you when you bring up the UCF game. So first thing I'm gonna start with saying is Cincinnati was actually one of I want to say one of the worst offenses in that conference. They averaged then uh-huh. as far as total as far as total offense, they were eleventh. The only the only other team that was worse than them was USF. And we know the story there. And as far as yeah. total defense goes, they were they were eighth in total defense. So, I mean, not one of the best offenses, not one of the best defenses, but they got the job done in some pretty tight games. Like, think about it. They barely beat East Carolina. They barely beat USF of all teams. They barely beat Temple. They barely beat UCF. Like, I mean, so this kind but of – But it was with – it was with – all right, so I didn't mean cut you off. But with Cincinnati, um, I don't want to even say, like, it's really the offense. It was mostly the quarterback. Like, right. I feel like, yeah, like, they know what they're missing with Cincinnati. That's why I say even if they don't if they don't fix what they're missing this year, definitely in time, um, the, the offense has some bright spots. And, you know, the fact that the defense was able to prevail, what they went, like 11 and – they went 11 and 3? Yeah, they went 11 and 3. Last year? Yeah, with with, with that, with, you know what I'm saying? The defense helped, helped them get to that point. Um, and I just feel like when they get a, a quarterback or they get a good quarterback that help them get situated, when they could they could uh have what it takes to lead that conference. But like I said, with um UCF and let's just say Memphis, you know, is still um still can carry that machine they that they started last year. Uh if Cincinnati had a good quarterback, I could see them definitely taking both of those teams. And then, like right. that, would be the lead of the conference. But I don't feel like the whole offense. Um, so they definitely had the uh, quarterback. Um, sorry, the they definitely had some bright receivers last year. Just they weren't getting the ball at the time. I could see, you know, that's them because um, let me pull a Cincinnati schedule because I know they played a big hunting. Because I've seen Cincinnati. I have a lot to say about Cincinnati this year because I seen a, I saw a couple of their games that they played last year. I know it seems a little right. weird. I'm I'm. <laughs> Well versed in the Bearcats, but let me just pull up their schedule from last year. Yeah, they they played um, Ohio State last year, but they lost forty two nothing. Yeah, but. and um, 
Yeah, but to see that, like, their receiver, they have some bright receivers. I remember hearing, like, they were, like, sophomores and juniors. Like, they will come back next year. And suppose they could build a nice little uh, quarterback or they get their hands around a good quarterback. Right. I can see Cincinnati, uh, you know, rising through the ranks. But it would all depend on, like I said, with UCF. Right. And how uh, UCF does. Because also, if they beat UCF and UCF isn't as good, it would still look the same as if they lost to a good yeah, they would look team. Correct. Yeah, the Alec Alec Pierce, he was he ranked seventeenth in the AAC in the American. He ranked seventeenth in the American with one thousand well, no no no. He didn't he didn't have a thousand yards. He had three hundred sixty two yards receiving through seven games. So, I mean, that's that's your leading receiver right there for Cincinnati. But, you know, like I said, it, it can get better in due time. Just, that's just... Well, so they had, like, yeah, they had flashes. It was like they had flashes of it, but you can see, like, they know what they're missing. Like, I feel like the team, like, they know what they're missing. They'll be able to fix it. Right. Like, they're like almost like they're they they see the light at the end of the tunnel. They just have to get there. Right. Yeah. I, and the other thing too is if you look at this as well, uh, for the amount of carries uh, that their starting running back from last year got Michael Warren, he had seven hundred and fifty-eight yards rushing on hundred and forty-three attempts through seven games. You gotta get him more touches than that. Or well, not well, not more touches, but you have to get more yards than that if you're going to carry the ball that many times. Because you more yards for a touch, yeah. Because yeah. like, because look at it like this: a uh, quarterback Malcolm Perry from Navy last year, he had 948 yards rushing on 147 attempts. The only reason that number probably yeah, he was balling. He was balling. exactly like that. The only reason that wasn't like a thousand yards is because he is a quarterback. But Michael Warren, someone like that who's carrying the ball 143 times in a season. You got to get a thousand yards if you're going to carry the ball that much. You have to. Yep. But I mean, you also you. Funny thing is, you answered the question about UCF and Memphis and who would be the bigger threat to Cincinnati. You answered that without me even asking it. So that was that was good. Oh, <laughs> that was good. But um, and speaking of Malcolm Perry and. Unfortunately, he's gone from this team now, but that's going to bring us now to the Navy midshipmen. Yeah. Last year, they went 11-2. and two. They won the Liberty Bowl. And the funny thing about Navy is, you know, with everything that's been going on, I kind of always felt that, you know, and while we're not going to be able to talk, well, we can mention Air Force and Army now for this, now that we're talking about Navy. Yeah. I kind of fig- I, I kind of felt that, you know what, maybe – with what's going on, the the like the the military academy schools, they don't have to play. But if there's anybody that could really like play this year with no problem, it's them. That yeah, Navy. Yeah, so I I figured to myself, I was like, you know, like look, they they could pull it off and have, and they'll probably they them Army and Air Force would probably end up being the last ones standing, if you ask me. Uh, I think Navy is the stronger of the three of the three teams. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Navy, Navy every year after year comes with a hard hitting defense. Like you're not getting out of Navy without one of your players getting injured. One of your key players is that. Correct. Um, but the other, the interesting thing about Navy for their schedule is so Monday, September 7th, they play BYU at eight o'clock. That's going to be like the first, like one of the first three games for the American, as far as, you know, football being back and everything like that. Uh-huh. And then they also get Memphis at home and they get army in the army Navy game. And this is, the, this is going to be like a big deal. The army Navy game. So I have to ask you, can, do you think that they could secure another commander in chiefs trophy? Uh, yeah, I believe they can. I, I believe they can. I believe uh, Navy has a strong enough team that they'll be able to, they'll be able to take Army. Uh, I'm not really sure if it'll be a slaughter, right. but I, I feel like they'll they'll have enough. Navy, Navy just they're just the better, you know, they're just a better football school. It seems like, especially now, you know, Army used to be Army, but Navy's, you know, they come into their own. So I'm gonna go right. with Navy on this one. Yeah, see the the. In- the thing about it is, you know, that they've always said is uh, that, you know, the World War II didn't even stop this game from being played. And if you look at the series, yeah. it, it really didn't because they played all the way through World War II. And then, and funny thing is, at the end, towards the end of the war, Army was ranked number one in the country. And then even Vietnam didn't even stop this game from being played. So that, the thing is, most people will say that are associated with the schools is root. And they even went on the Paul Feinbaum show and said, we're going to find a way to play this game. So I was like, hey, look, if you can find a way to play it, go by all means, go ahead, play it. But um, this game last year, Navy beat up Army pretty good, 31 to 7. And Army and Navy got back on track with their winning streak over, over Navy. Or no, Navy got back on track with their winning streak over Army. So I mean, hey, look, I from what it looks like this year, December twelfth, twenty twenty, in Philadelphia, it could this could be one for the midshipmen again to win. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, I think they're gonna go ahead and they're gonna right. beat Army, uh, especially if they get this if they are able to right. play this game. But back to what you were saying about them playing the game, but I do think war is different than oh, uh, pestilence. You know, definitely. All, <laughs> you know, like them playing a football, them playing the game wasn't wouldn't affect the war either way, as you know, right. getting sick. So let's try and keep that uh, right. part in mind. Now, let me ask you this: if if we do make it this far to bowl season. Do you think the Navy could end up being a team that could surprise us and get into a New Year's Six Bowl? Because like we're, we're all talking about, you know, we're all talking about Cincinnati and Memphis and UCF. Should we be keeping an eye on Navy? Uh, I don't think so. Um, not just because I'm not even sure if the bowl season is going to commence, but just because Navy uh, last year they went what eleven? They yeah. went eleven and two. But I don't see, especially if we have a lot of it, like you said, I know I said like a lot of it depends on UCF. Also, Memphis, uh, if Memphis does come out to be strong, Navy would have to fight at least, you know, three of those teams to get to that point. One of those teams, maybe even twice. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't see that happening. Yeah, I don't see that happening. <laughs> they're good, but they're not good. They're they're good enough to be Army easily. Yeah, sure. But, you know, the playing Memphis today or UCF for a second time. Mm-mm. Especially if they won the first time, right? <laughs> also, I'll fair point. Ahead. That's a fair point. Um, now is on to the next team, the USF Bulls. Last year, South Florida went four and eight, and my gosh, you know, I, I give them such a hard time because the the standard has slipped. Because four and eight was never always the standard. This team used to be number two in the country at one point for like maybe a week or two back in 2007, but you know, it's just, it's gotten worse. So that's why they brought in Jeff Scott, who used to be the OC at Clemson. So that's a key pickup for them in this past off season. Yeah, that was a, that, that was a good pickup. Um, I like that for them. Um, Jeff Scott, you know, he's been around a winning culture. Um, so I feel like he could at least bring some positive energy. And the good thing is for him is he doesn't really have much to, you know, start for any progress is good progress with that. I think he could bring them to 500 easily. Yeah. Um, him getting them up to a bowl game, it's going to take a little bit more work. Um, I'm confident if he can get the proper staff around him, um, he can rally uh, winning culture around USF as well. Because at least he knows what, you know, what it feels like, that contrast between being in a winning culture and going to a place like USF. Um, but even just going 500 this year would be a huge turnaround for him. Definitely would put the crowd in his favor. Right. So he doesn't really have, you know, he has work his work cut out for him, but I feel like he is the man for the job if anybody right. is. So their key games this year entail a, a, a road trip to Houston, a road trip to Cincinnati, and they play UCF here in Tampa this year. So here's my first question. How quickly, well, you already said it. All right, I'll, I'll move to the next one. What will it take for them to get on the same level playing field with UCF? Because mind you, in Charlie Strong's first year, they only lost to UCF by seven in what was like a fireworks display. The second yeah. year, not it wasn't so pretty. And then Charlie Strong was fired. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no, the second year wasn't so pretty. The third year wasn't so pretty again. Charlie Strong was fired. So now Jeff Scott comes in. So how do you think um do you think that Jeff Scott can kind of bring that that speed element back to USF that they need in order to compete with UCF? Uh see the problem with that is that uh you it's gonna be hard for them to prove that while they have three road games against the hardest teams in the country. I mean not in the country, but in the conference. I mean, you gotta they're going on the road for Cincinnati. Um, Memphis and Houston, yep. those trips alone are going to be yeah. draining for them. Um, but I mean, if they if they can pull it out, at least two of the if two of those end up being victories for USF, then I already see them being in a better position than UCF. But I mean, being realistic, I think this may be a win for Cincinnati, right? Memphis, and and you know, here's the other here's the other thing about like, it too. Every year. There's always, well, I mean, every year when USF's about like an average team, like a seven-win team, there's always a game or two yeah. on the schedule where you just go back, you, you just sit down and look at it, and you're like, how did they lose that game? Or what happened? Why are they playing so badly to the point where they're getting beat up so good? Because it was, I believe it was two years ago, they played Tulane, 
the green wave came in here and you thought to your, you would think to yourself, eh, well, hey, maybe USF can win this game. That is not the case. Tulane ran over, through, and around all day long that day. They were the two lane running backs were looking for people to run over. So I mean it's little things like that you have to overcome. Uh and it's crazy because I feel like they definitely would have needed those wins uh, or those that game against BCU and uh Florida Atlantic probably would have helped boost oh, definitely. them up a little bit. Because if, even if they had lost to South Florida, you know, coming in and beating East Carolina, then going to Temple, then to Tulsa would definitely have, uh, or then being Tulsa, and then playing Tulsa would definitely uh, have amped them up for yeah. Memphis. But you know, they're going straight from Florida Atlantic to since they're playing from, they're going to Florida Atlantic, then to Cincinnati, then they're home they at East Carolina, but then they had to go visit Temple, then Tulsa comes home. Then they go play Memphis. I mean, that's that's you know that's lands yeah. slaughter. So hopefully Jeff Scott, he's got his team ready. Hopefully, but that's going to bring us now to the next team on the list, the Tulsa. I forget. Golly, what are they? The Tulsa. Goodness gracious, what is Tulsa called? <laughs> see, I, see, right. the, this is what happens when. <laughs> but yeah, they're called the Tulsa right. Golden Hurricane. So yeah, the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. That brings us to them. So last year they went four and eight. They didn't make a bowl game. They lost what five? Yeah, five straight games at one point during the season. They did not have a very productive October at all. Must have been a sad Halloween in Oklahoma. But key games, yeah. <laughs> key games for this coming season. Uh they get Cincinnati at home. They have to travel to USF and they play at Navy. So here's a question. Uh, are they better than their record? Are they still? Wait, hold on. Are they still? Uh, they're not playing Oklahoma State. It says that they're still playing. Nah, that game State. probably got axed. That's Maybe. They might yeah. be. They showed, they showed all the postponed games, but this, this one's saying. That and I'm on their website. Oh, the next <laughs> it says Oklahoma. Oh, then they must be. Yeah, yeah. I think they are playing at Oklahoma State this year. Wow. Well, that's a loss. So to answer your question, no. Then. Yeah. <laughs> that's gonna be the first test right there. Let me just uh confirm that before. Um. Well, it says now they pause practice. Due to COVID nineteen, that was two days ago. But let me. Uh, maybe they just haven't gone back because it says players have tested positive for COVID nineteen and practice have been paused. Hmm. That's actually a rivalry. Yeah. That Oklahoma State Tulsa series yeah. is actually a really serious. Tulane and Oklahoma State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tul- uh-huh. It's a. Uh, Oklahoma State leads that all-time series 42 to 27. The largest victory in that series between Tulsa and Oklahoma State is Tulsa won in 1943, 55 to 6. So I mean, hey, look, this is one of those rivalries I didn't even know about. But they don't play each other what every year, year from what this says. 
Like the last Oklahoma State's got the yeah. Wait, yeah, what year was that? Is just that? That was that 1943. One, five to six. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. All the Oklahoma State boys were probably yeah. in World War. II. Yeah, and the thing is, they they don't play every year now because of they're in different conferences. But like Oklahoma State's got one of the longer got one of the longer yeah. winning streaks in this series. They won. They've won seven straight since 1999, but there, of course, there's a few breaks in that in the series here. So, I mean, it is a rivalry. But I understand why they tried to make sure that game is still played. But let me ask you this question: uh, What will it take for them to overcome the mental yeah. barrier? I think a lot of this is just mental. The Oklahoma State game would be uh, Oklahoma State game would be a big one. Um, I don't see that happening though. Oklahoma State's too good, especially Correct. at home, to lose to Tulsa. Um, the U the UCF game is dependent on how how well UCF is going. That well, not even really because if they can go into UCF winning that early in the season, um, especially if they lose to Oklahoma State first game and they come into UCF and win, um, and then are able to defend their own homes against Cincinnati next week. That would be um, a booster. That would definitely get them past USF. But already right now, we've given them too many wins. Like, I don't see them getting on that type of role. I feel like if UCF falls, Cincinnati would bring the heat. And, you know, then they would take UCF falling as their personal, you know, upbringing. Like, yes, we UCF fell. We didn't even have to do anything yet. Let's go right. ahead and take out Tulsa. So, um, yeah, but it, but like I said, it all no matter how no matter how which way you slice it, it's still gonna right. be uh, it was still had to be UCF at home, right? That even for them to even have that hope for that week, so if you lose to UCF, uh, UCF beat you. Um, Cincinnati comes into town whether you uh win or not. I mean, yeah. Cincinnati's gonna come down. They're definitely gonna bring the heat, especially if UCF beat you because that's they're they're measuring each other Correct. based on how much they beat you. Yeah. Yeah. So um yeah, that that would that would be my answer to the question is they, they would have to be mm. they would have to go to UCF. Yeah, see, a little of something away. here about Tulsa. Tulsa actually was like a middle of the road team as far as, you know, statistically speaking, total offense and total defense. Like mm-hmm. they they were the seventh best offense as far as total offenses go, with four hundred and twenty yards average per game. And then as far as defense, yeah, in the, in the conference as a whole. And then in defensively, the they were the sixth best as far as total defense goes. They surrendered 395 yards per game on average. So, I'm, you know, it's 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 a little I, – I would say it is definitely a mental barrier to overcome, but I'm, I'm like you. I don't, I don't think it's going gonna, it's gonna to change here soon with Tulsa. It's, it's still a long uphill battle to go. But that's going to bring us now into a quick, short little segment regarding the Connecticut Huskies. Well, UConn Huskies, to be politically correct, this is a basketball school, high, high and mighty. But um, last year they went two and ten in the American, and we're going to dip, we're going to dip and dab in this quickly. They left the AAC to join the Big East. That still, the, the, that conference still exists as a basketball conference only. 
they paid a $10 million exit fee plus an additional $7 million to exit immediately. And now the funny thing about it is they had, they can't even play a season now because they were caught in between a rock and a hard place and they had nowhere else to go. Cause think about it. You left so fast to get out of the American that once now that this virus has happened and you need somewhere to go so you can have a season for your players, the American doesn't want you back because of the way you left. You dropped $17 million basically to get out and now you, you can't just go back. So they, they basically just put themselves in a hard place. So now they don't even, they can't even have a football season. Whereas if they'd probably stayed in the American, they'd probably been able to have a season. Well, I mean, if you're a player, I guess it saves you from having what I'm sure would yeah. be another terrible record. But I know these guys are crap. I mean, That's you know, they, they didn't do anything. Uh, but for, I mean, UConn as a school, I can understand why, you know, they're out this football conference. Like, they're <laughs> they're definitely a basketball school. I don't know why they but um at least be like how Notre Dame is and join an independent conference. I feel like that would benefit them because they could be basketball you know, in the Big East, in a, sorry, they'll be in a conference for basketball and then uh, for football, you know, they'd have less restrictions, but I'm pretty sure there's a reason uh, behind it all, something that, that they're not uh, putting out. Because for them to pay $17 million to leave out immediately, like, come on, that's, that's, that's like, right. yeah, exactly. out of yeah, here it's... by any means. <laughs> yeah, they had to know that this was, you know, at least, you know, Correct. could have happened. Um, so now with that being over, that now brings us down to the next team on this list. At four and eight last year, the Houston, the Houston Cougars, who who had a first year head coach last year in Dana Holgerson, who was he had been named head coach on January first of twenty nineteen and went through his first year. Uh it went four and eight. wasn't the best. De'Eric King had also has also transferred out, so they don't have De'Eric King. He's down in Miami, playing with the Hurricanes now. So yeah, key that. games coming up this year for mm-hmm. Memphis is, I mean not Memphis for Houston is at Memphis versus UCF in Orlando, and at Houston. Cincinnati. So what will year two of Dana Holgerson look like? Because mind you, it's it can be in his offense can be explosive given the right quarterback in place. I think you need like a pocket passer like what Dana Holgerson had in Will Greer at West Virginia. So I, mean, I think I think it, it can work if you have the right guy under center. Yeah, um, their offense was. It looked like it just didn't have all the pieces last year. Like they were, they would show, they would show like signs, but um, you may be right with them having a stronger pocket passer. Um, that that may uh make their offense a little bit more uh glued together. Correct. Um, I'm not really, I'm not really sure about, I'm not really sure about how uh their head coach is gonna look year two. Um. You know, we're not really because of COVID. We really also haven't been able to peek too hard into like these guys and their off seasons. So you know, we're not really, you know, who's adding what as much, and you know, we can't like see them work. 
So it's kind of hard to see if they're actually patching their holes or whether they're just going to shoot themselves in the foot again. Correct. Um, I think that uh, they'll be able to handle at least two of these teams because uh, you said they're going to be playing at Memphis and at Cincinnati, right? Yes, at Memphis and I didn't hear what the UCF was. at at Memphis and at Cincinnati, and then they get UCF in Orlando. Hmm. Yeah. Uh. It's, it's kind of hard to predict how Houston's gonna, how Houston's gonna behave because they could have, they could have a very, uh, a very nice season. Because I'll see them. Because you know, since they're playing everyone in their own conference, they're one of those teams that like could benefit. Like that's all they have to worry about. Because even if they lost to Memphis and to Cincinnati, they'd still be. Let's see, they could have USF. It could be UCF, maybe Navy. BYU. Yeah, they could have an eight-win season. I definitely don't see them going four and eight like they did last year. I see them having a at least, you know, I see them, I see them. But as like number one in the conference, I don't believe so. I believe that's gonna be that's gonna be uh between Cincinnati. That's gonna be between uh Cincinnati and uh how how UCF holds up. Right. And see, and here's the other interesting thing. Here's the other interesting thing about it is Dana Holgerson redshirted 35 players last year. So was do you think that that was a smart move? Because now, you know, you got 35 players on roster that you could probably plug in and play that no one has film on. So, you know, this could end up being something special that you could end up seeing coming out of Houston. It could be if it's done right. It could be. Plus, you know, that. Well, I said was. And no one, it's kind of hard to say with no one knowing, you know, he's kind of like uh, moving in the shadows, so to speak. Right. And I think that kind of speaks to, you know, how do you replace De'Aaron King? So somebody out of that 35, of those 35 red shirts could be the guy that's going to replace De'Aaron King, or it could be someone else on roster that we don't know about yet. So we'll see what happens. And that's going to bring us now to the East Carolina Pirates. Last year, they went four and eight. Key games for this season include UCF at home, at Cincinnati, and at Temple. So, first question is who's the defensive, who's the leader defensively? They lost their team leader in sacks to graduation. He had 18 and a half sacks. Or could they just be? Could they just be a team that plays spoiler? Uh, I mean, well, anytime you lose uh, someone of that magnitude, you know, it's always going to be like a kind of like a gap in in the locker room. Yeah. So, you know, like you know, if they have someone who they already may have, you know, uh, rallied to in his absence. Correct. Um. So I mean, it all it all depends on on that factor. Um, ECU is not one of those teams that like you know really stands out. It's just like you know you're gonna get you're gonna get basically what they have. Uh, it could either be you know something mediocre or something terrible. But I, I as in the conference though, I don't see them even making a sound. There are too many other teams in the conference that are 
out looking for blood and righteous blood for ECU to even be a factor next year. Yeah. Regardless of what their locker room is. Right. And the thing about it is too is you know you we mentioned the fact that their team that the team's leader on defense had 18 and a half sacks, but yet last year that defense was the tenth best defense in the conference out of 12 teams. Uh-uh. That I know it's it's crazy. They allowed two thousand three hundred and two yards rushing and two thousand eight hundred twenty-five yards passing. So I'm I'm just like, look, he I know he had to have been frustrated. He's probably thinking, God, I'm glad I'm headed to the yeah. league now. So I'm I I understand the frustrations. Like you're you're trying so hard to be a leader, but yet at the same time, too, everyone around you is not performing to expectations. Yep. So I mean, I that that I, I understand that frustration, but you know, do you think this could be a team that could play spoiler though? Uh, I mean, maybe to like one team. I don't see them doing it twice. <laughs> right. Maybe somebody overlooks them just because they had a tired schedule. Yeah. Or like, you know, whoever plays three teams in a row and then comes and stumbles along them at home, you know. But I don't see them like being a team to beat they may beat a team though that helps (laughs) true true and that's going to bring us now to the next team on the list the Tulane Green Wave last year Tulane they went seven and six they won the Armed Forces Bowl this season their key games include uh, a game against Navy they play the midshipmen in New Orleans they play at UCF, and then they play Memphis at home as well. So, you know, first question I got to have is, uh, I got to ask you is, can they build on seven wins? They had a seven-win season last year. Can they build upon that? Uh, hold on just a second. I'm still, my computer is a little slow. I was pulling up their full schedule again as you were saying it. Tulane Green Wave. Yeah, for some reason the Tulane uh, schedule is like taking forever to pop up. Okay, so um, sorry, you were uh, their key games were at UCF, UCF versus Army and whichever one. Uh, the key games is at is no versus Navy in New Orleans at UCF. And then, well, they also do play Army, mm. too. And then they get Memphis as well at home. So they get three out of the four games I mentioned at home. So, you know, can they build off of – can they build on seven wins? Um, I believe they can. Uh, Tulane, they had, a, they had a pretty decent year last year, especially for them. Um. I definitely think that they're in a way better position than ECU. Oh, definitely. Uh, it, to, to, to go 500. Um, you know, as long as they play solid football. Right. Um, and sorry, I'm just now pulling up the schedule. Let's see, because I see them being asking you. They could be, uh, they could be a team that beat Houston. Um, the, but they definitely have Southern Miss. Um, the Navy game is going to be intense, but they have that at home, um, and they have Army at home. 
Um, the Tulsa the Tulsa game is going to be pretty interesting. Uh, that's going to be like the game that sets them up for Memphis. Um, and then they have Memphis at home. So depending on how they good they beat in Tulsa, uh, may in, may determine their success against Memphis at home. Um, but they have a pretty soft schedule. I see them, uh, you know, improving upon the seven, the six wins. Because I mean, technically, but the seventh win, the seventh one would have been their bowl game, right? Because then they win, uh, they won their bowl game last year, right? Yeah, they won their bowl game last they year. They went six and six. So yeah, I see them at least having seven wins in the regular season. Uh, you know, like I, I can count seven wins. This is spades. I throw them seven books. <laughs> Fair statement, fair statement. And that's going to bring us now to the next team on the list. At 10-3 and three last year, they won the Gasparilla Bowl. The UCF Knights, a couple of key games coming up this season. For UCF, they they get, they get Florida Internet. Oh, no, the game against FIU was canceled. But the one the one game that the ACC is allowing teams to play. So Georgia Tech will play against UCF in Atlanta. So George, so UCF plays Georgia Tech as well, too. They play at Memphis, and then they get their rival, USF, here in Tampa, and they also play Cincinnati and Orlando. So how beneficial is it that five of the six games that they play are going to be in Florida. Well, I can't really say that anymore because the FIU game has been canceled. But let's see. So it was all right. So the South Florida game, the Central Florida game, I'm mean, sorry, the Cincinnati game, Temple, uh, Tulane, and Tulsa. That's five all played in Florida. Well, South Florida's played in. Well, they, they still where play. They, play? they don't play that game. Where are they playing that game? Are they playing the game at um the UCS South Florida game. They're playing that game in Tampa. They still, yeah, they still have five of their like yeah. six games, I believe, uh-huh. here. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, they still have five of their last five of the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Five of the last seven games they have on their schedule yeah. now or still going to be in Florida. So yeah, and this, and, this, and this goes to what I said about Memphis um earlier on about about uh them being able to stop uh UCF because if you see UCF could easily go on a roll here. If they beat Georgia Tech then East Carolina, Tulsa, you know, they're they're gonna be you know run over. They'll they'll put uh UCF on a three one three game streak. Yeah. If they if Memphis can beat them and cut that out, that'll cool them off. But um, and then give Memphis a chance to rise up. But if UCF gets through Memphis, I see them tearing the rest of their conference to shreds. Yeah, and the thing <laughs> it about would literally, it would literally be up to Cincinnati. And if Memphis beats, if sorry, if UCF beats Memphis and UCF and uh, Houston, um, both at their own homes, and then Cincinnati rolls up to UCF in Orlando. You Cincinnati won't stand a chance. Correct. So they'll be too hyped up. Like that would that would literally be the game of the conference. Correct. Um, and the other thing too is about UCF's offense is when it's really really rolling and it's like dangerous and it gets hot. They can, 
they can just put up points on you and like you're you're down by four before you can even realize what's going on. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how dangerous that offense is. And that also brings me to this question here. How improved will Dylan Gabriel be? Because I mean, look, it's I don't know if you put McKenzie Milton back out there on, on the field under center. Like, look, I, I was there when he messed up his knee. When McKenzie Milton suffered that yeah. injury two years ago against USF, yeah. I was I saw that happen live. Um, I don't know if you put him back out there. I think that he he can be a great mind and asset to you on the sideline, helping you break down defenses when you when you have Dylan Gabriel come to the sideline. But I I I think Dylan Gabriel will be a better quarterback. I think he was just he was just learning last year. I think he can be even yeah. better in twenty twenty. He did good last year, uh, especially for a freshman. He felt like he uh, he really under he really understood. Like like the game was already slowed down for him a little bit. You know, most people freshmen they get out there, um, and it's like they can't keep up. But he looked very comfortable. Correct. Correct. He did. Um, and the thing the thing with oh, see, look, they don't even have him on here. They don't even have him on here. I figured they would have. Um, but yeah, the thing with uh, Dylan Gabriel is his his numbers from last season, based off of what we have in front of us. See, look, twenty nine touchdowns, seven interceptions. He had a QBR of one hundred fifty six point nine. So I mean, look, that's that's not bad for a freshman. No, it's not. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does in 2020, given the fact that he's, he's worked with all these weapons for one year now. He's played in a couple of games. He's played in a couple of big games. I think if the coach kind of would have trusted him a little bit more, maybe they could have won maybe like 10 or 11 games. Because, like, mind you, they lost a couple of close ones. Like, they lost to Cincinnati. They lost to Tulsa. You win those two games, that's, that's a 12-win season right there. You're sitting pretty at 12 and one, maybe playing in the conference championship versus going to the Gasparilla Bowl. All right. So, I mean, hey, look, I'm, I'm excited for what UCF's got coming back. But that's going to bring us now to the next team the Pony Express, SMU, Southern Methodist University. Last year, they went 10 and three. They lost the Boca Raton Bowl, though, to Florida Atlantic. And Key games for this season, they play Memphis, Cincinnati, and Navy all in all in, all at home. So you know, uh, I think it's safe to is it safe to say that they've finally recovered fully? Because mind you, this was the school that had they had been hit with the death penalty from the eighties. Yeah, they had. Um, yeah, they they had uh, the game against them, and Memphis was actually pretty close. I remember last year they were like maybe like a touchdown away. Like I remember they were they were throwing points back and forth. Cause I remember they want Memphis was going upset. Watch that entire game. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, I think uh, SMU has a good chance of coming back. Maybe uh, maybe around the same record, nine, maybe ten wins. Uh, let's see, they got. Uh, I'm trying to look up their schedule. I think I have their full schedule. Okay, I think I got their real schedule now. So the first game is against SSA. Then the next game is Memphis. Cool. 
you know what? I think we uh we've been counting out SMU until just now. Yeah, I think SMU, yeah, I think SMU is a stronger team than Memphis. Like I'll be real with you. Well, then Memphis is gonna be, and I'll be real with you this year. Cause uh they had stability last year and they, they you know they they had some you know it looked like they they you know they like they have the recipe for it. Like uh like how they were a definitely team. I don't think so. I think they're on to something. Yeah, see, I think that cause that's one thing. I think they they fully recovered now, or they've finally gotten over the whole death penalty. Because you know that that takes a while for teams to recover. And when yeah. I say a while, I'm not talking about like, okay, maybe three or five years, and then you will be okay. Like SMU had been dealing with that and trying to overcome that since the '80s. Like, uh-huh. I mean, look, it's this is looking good for SMU now. Ten and three, coming into next season. Now you got you got one of the better quarterbacks in the conference. That no, yeah. See, look, Shane Bouchelle is coming back as one of the better quarterbacks in the conference. Thirty-four touchdowns last year to ten interceptions. Yeah, like it's it 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 can it can be good. This can be good for for them. So I'm I I like what I'm seeing. And then look, I I wouldn't be surprised if SMU ends up being in the conference championship because mind you the. The American doesn't have divisions. They just have the best record host against the second best, like the the, the top ranked team in the conference host against the second best team. So you never know. I wouldn't, I would say, and this brings up the next question, the rest of the conference should be on notice. I would, yeah, I would take, um, I was, I would say, yeah, um, just like how we had kind of count them out earlier, I think that was just out of habit. I completely forgot until you said something that they did go, uh, they did have a 10 month season last year, and then I remembered that that Memphis game was actually uh pretty close. Um, yeah, I think uh, they're not deep one, but I don't think since they're focusing on conference only, that's kind of like a disadvantage to them as well because now more people are going to realize, you know, like their conference rivals realize, hey, SMU, we got to take them out. As opposed to like you know them going to other conferences and playing and being like kind of like a sneak attack. Like I feel like this would also help them branch out a little bit more because they can beat their own conference who's watching them hard. That'll let them that'll let us know that their team did not be slept on. Right, right. Um, but that's gonna bring us now to the next and final team on this list, the Temple Owls. Last year they went eight and five. They lost the military bowl. Key games for this season entail of Memphis and Cincinnati. And also too, outside of Memphis and Cincinnati, they also get SMU. And they luckily get SMU in Philadelphia. So I've See my first question because they they had they were slated to play Miami, but that got canceled. I would yeah. say you know could they upset Miami week one? I would say Miami. Let's not overlook Temple, but that game's canceled, so we can kind of throw that out. But uh, yeah. Next question is I could ask is how do they maintain their NFL pipeline? Because you know we talk about these big name schools a lot, but little do we know Temple. They got 28 former players on NFL rosters. 28 from last year? I would say. Oh, wait, no, you're talking about 28 in general. Yeah, just 28 in general right now. So, so I thought you meant like 20. 20 sorry, I, I, heard, I thought you said 28 people from the draft went from Temple. I said, what? 
Oh no, nah, yeah, nah. uh, but yeah, they- yeah. <laughs> All right, okay, I got you. Um, still though, that's that's still pretty reputable for it being Temple. Yeah, exactly. Like- um, do you have any? Uh, do you have any names of those? Anybody we may recognize? I'm, I know Hassan- I, I can't think of any Temple. Hassan Riddick for sure, definitely was a guy that that got drafted. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, one was Hassan Riddick, because uh, he was drafted, I believe, a year or two ago. Yeah, a year or two ago, Hassan Riddick got drafted, and then uh, you also have um, Rakia Sin, who plays for Indianapolis. Um, you've got Julian Taylor. You've got Tahir Whitehead, uh, Bernard Pierce. Who was drafted to Baltimore? Uh, McManus. I will say Brandon McManus uh, went to Temple. Yeah, Muhammad Wilkerson and Tavon yeah, Young. Tavon Young. Young played yep. for the Ravens. Um, yeah, Muhammad Wilkerson, Evan Rodriguez. Yeah, oh, I know. I know. Yes, yeah, so, see, because see, I'm gonna be honest with you, and don't take this to offense, Temple fans. I didn't know Temple. I didn't know some of these guys went to Temple. Like I knew Rocky Sin went to Temple. I knew Hassan Riddick went to Temple. But like even Deion Dawkins went to Temple. Like, I, I see. I, I didn't know that one. But look, I, I like what Temple's quietly been doing. Nice. PJ PJ Walker. Yes. PJ Walker. Yes, that's true. Because he was in the XFL making a name for himself. To hear Whitehead, the linebacker from. Uh... Oh wow. The linebacker from the Panthers. Sorry if it went out. The linebacker from the Panthers. The Panthers. Wait, what's his I mean, name? He's new. I think he's he's outside linebacker. He I uh, trying to get him to replace uh it was Tahir Whitehead. Oh, to hear white, yeah, 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 yeah. See, yeah, to hear whitehead, yeah. See, this is this team is in yeah, this so he, big. He must have felt... oh. Yeah, they they've got an NFL pipeline going, and I like what I'm seeing. Yeah, they do. I didn't even notice. Yeah. So, with that, and now that we've gotten gotten to the end of this now. Let me ask you this: Who do you who do you got for? And God willing, we make it to the end of the season. Uh, who do you got for the American Conference Championship? Um, I still have UCF. Um, I feel like UCF, like I said, they're the blade of the conference. They're uh, you know, the other teams that that's the standard. Um, the other teams are gonna have to beat UCF. Um. You know, and that's also going to be their measurement about how well they do out the conference. I like say UCF doesn't have such a good year. You know, like you really can't measure yourself against a UCF that's not really performing outside of conference. So if you could be a strong UCF, then I have a feeling that you know we go to a postseason that you'll uh, that they'll win a bowl. But definitely, um, I feel like uh, UCF is going to win the AC, AA, <clears throat> sorry AAC um, title. They just have right. their stuff together. I think they'll. Um, I do you think they'll play though, in that conference championship? Um, 
Oh, like I said, uh, it really to me depends on what Memphis does. Um, because I wouldn't give that title to I would give that title to Cincinnati. Um, but I feel like if it's if it's Memphis, um, I feel like if it's Memphis and UCF, nah, I don't really see. Uh, it's not hard. I'm a Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Memphis. I'm a Cincinnati and okay. UCF. Okay. Yeah, um, uh, I feel like Cincinnati going to take advantage. I feel like Cincinnati will take advantage of Memphis not being uh one hundred percent on his toes again, and we we'll use that to bounce around the conference. Okay. And yeah, but I see Houston rising up. Um, I see SMU doing well, but not as well as Cincinnati. That's fair. That's fair. I am going to have to say for myself, it's going to be an interesting three-team race. At the top, Memphis will be there, but I think they'll be like the fourth best team, or they'll be duking it out with Navy to be like the fourth best team in that conference. So I, I, I would say you know a battle for fourth is going to ensue between Navy and Memphis, and then once you get to third place. I'm feeling that it's going to be like the top three are going to be slugging it out every week. UCF, Cincinnati, and SMU. Eventually, SMU will kind of pull back and fall into place at third place. It's going to be like probably something that's going to be heartbreaking for them. But in the end, I got to go with UCF and Cincinnati for the American Conference title. I can't say who's going to host, but I will say... It's gonna probably. I'm gonna, I got. I got UCF and Cincinnati at the end. That's so that's that's what I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with no clear cut order for the top two, but at third place I got SMU. Fourth place, it's a battle between Memphis and Navy, and then so on and so forth. So that's what I got to go with. Right. But that's gonna do. That's going to do it for us, folks. I hope you've enjoyed this preseason breakdown. If you have not already, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Throw Flags. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Penalty Talk. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And then also, too, make sure you listen to us on Spotify. Check us out on Spotify. And then also, too, you can always send us an email at flagonaplaysports at gmail.com. And um, Hendrix, you got anything before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, just make sure you guys are washing your hands and keep yeah, your mask on. Definitely. Please continue to practice social distancing. Take care, stay blessed, and we'll see you on the next episode.